This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Court, this month it's appropriate that is at Zupan's, it's a toast to the roast. They have three kinds of prime rib for you to enjoy. Um, the first one would be a Snake River Farms Wagyu Gold Grade Rib Roast. That's if you want to do the very best. You're going to go that route um, and uh, really have a treat for uh, a holiday dinner, lunch, whatever you call it. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now. You got intense marbling, buttery texture, complex flavors. And I, it's only been maybe in the last five years where for Christmas dinner, we've been doing a, uh, a, a, a roast for, for you know Christmas dinner. And I, I, that might be the one I do this year, Chris. Well, that would be a special one. Yeah. <laughs> you can go through. There's options for that one. And Harris Ranch Dry-Aged Rib Roast, of course, which is a step up from the regular prime rib roast. But, of course, those are all high-quality roasts that you're going to get USDA certified from Zupan. So you have, just to recap, we, got, we start at the prime rib roast, yeah. we go to the dry-aged rib roast, and right up to what you were talking about, which is the gold-grade Wagyu rib roast at Zupan's, which you can order now through the 20th and have it waiting for you to pick up. And I see, and now I'm looking at these other ones that we've all talked. Maybe I want to do these other ones. The the dry age, dry aging is really the way to go. Man, this is tough. But Zupans makes it easy. You order on the website, and while you're there, you can also order other holiday meals, other uh, things to go along with your great holiday plans. Uh, the the greatest desserts, the great uh, greatest gifts. We've been talking about gifts for some time. Your local Zupans can help you with that. I believe so. And I'm just going to put, I'm going to step in and say, I think I'm going to do a, a, a crown rib roast lamb this year. So, oh, very uh, nice. Ooh, that sounds, ooh. Maybe I want to do that. Yeah, just something a little different. I know I heard from. This is tough. I, yeah, well, it's not tough. Stop using that word when we're talking about it because it's tender and juicy. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But it's a tough choice. That's yeah. for sure, but Zupans, as you said, makes it easy. You can go right on their website, drop down, see how many ribs you want, and order it and pick it up. Uh, pay when you pick it up. Very nice. Three locations to serve you, West Burnside, McAdam, Lake Oswego. And the place to go to answer all your questions about when is Zupans open, how can I order, is where, Chris? Zupans.com. All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio Kink.fm. So, Court, let's get some uh, important business out of the way first before we talk about uh, my interview with Jeff Reidebach of Homegrown Smoker. And, of course, okay. formerly of Darien, Connecticut where I first met Jeff, oh, many, 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 many moons. In high school. Uh, high school, yes. And yeah. there, if you listen to the second, I think it's the second interview we did with Jeff, I think this year. The first one was the first year back in 2014. I think right. we did one recently this year with Jeff. But mm -hmm. that was before 
he decided to close Homegrown Smoker and sell it. So, mm -hmm. um, so we thought we'd catch up with him and find out, you know, why a guy our age is, you know, ready to retire from the business. And he's got one of the real rare businesses in Portland, and I think it's timely and relevant and awesome. And we even heard, uh, we've heard our guests talk about how great it is when it comes to vegan food, what J Jeff Reiterbach has been doing for many years at Homegrown Smoker. But I alluded to the fact of getting some uh, important business, getting to some important business before we start this podcast. And I just wanted to call attention to an event that, and not only there's more than an event, but what the Independent Restaurant Coalition is doing. Of course, uh, our friend Erica Palmer, who's been on the podcast, uh, and many others, including a lot of industry folks, have been advocating in Congress to get the funds that restaurants need to pr proceed and sustain their livelihoods. Uh, we've talked about it a lot on this podcast this year, how challenging it is for restaurants. It was challenging before we went into the pandemic. It was incredibly challenging during the pandemic. And now costs are up, supply chains are difficult, restaurants need some help. And it goes beyond visiting your favorite local restaurant as many times as you can. It goes to um, just helping support the cause. And you can do more than just donate. Um, if you go to the Independent Restaurant Coalition website, you can see some other things that you can do. Um, but specifically, there's an event that everyone might be interested in on Monday, January 27th, 2022, 8 p.m. There are demonstrations from James Beard Foundation award-winning chef, restaurateur, and TV personality Rick Bayless. Top Chef finalist and everybody in Portland knows Gregory Gorday of the forthcoming Khan restaurant. And of mm -hmm. course, uh, there's also a demonstration by the iconic Death and Company, Alex Day, who will show you how to whip up some show-stopping cocktails. And also, author Gail Simmons will be the host of this trio. So you can sign up uh, to get a virtual table, or I'm sorry, yes, a virtual seat at the virtual table, virtually and realistically. So uh, you can do that. Let's see where you do that at saverestaurants.com. And uh, you can also, as I said, find out other ways to help uh, Independent Restaurant Coalition and therefore your local favorite independent restaurant with a parentheses S and parentheses many restaurants we need to help. So uh, get on that. So I think we already covered the podcast with Jeff, as a matter of fact. I just wanted to get together with Jeff Reiterbach to talk about closing Homegrown Smoker and what he's planning to do. And also, that's for sale. I think that's a great opportunity for a, uh, a budding entrepreneur or a successful entrepreneur to take over that business uh, in the St. John's neighborhood. It's established. There are certainly, there's certainly a vegan market in Portland. And yeah. Um, yeah, I, think, I think it's a great opportunity. And I hope Jeff, I wish Jeff all the best. He's a really good guy. He's worked hard. He used to work for Cisco in consulting with restaurants and doing some sales there years ago and then forayed uh, into um, vegan food and being 
at the forefront of it years ago, and now, uh, you know, what they do is incredible at Homegrown Smoker. And so, Jeff's always a great conversation. I love talking to him. I wish I could talk to him more, but one of the silver linings of retiring from Homegrown Smoker is perhaps I'll be able to spend a little more personal time with Jeff going on. So I would suggest everybody get down to Homegrown Smoker in the next week or so. We'll talk about the closing date on the podcast and visit Jeff and enjoy that food and uh, wish him well. This is Jeff Reidebach of Homegrown Smoker. Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. Unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to local baked goods, fresh flowers, and an extensive craft beer selection. Step into Zupan's and be inspired for your next meal. Food-loving customers as well as local chefs know that Zupan's is the place to find the very best Northwest Bounty in Portland, West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Local and family-owned for over 40 years. Zupan's Markets. Portland Food Adventures. Join our host, Chris Angelis, and his colleague, Austri Enzyme, next September for a wildly delicious adventure through Western Sicily. Palermo, Marsala, and lots in between. Book now to make sure you don't miss the best of Sicily. Since 2015, PFA has been taking Portlanders on incredible journeys with Portland chefs and artisans to Europe and beyond. Check out the Trips tab at portlandfoodadventures.com for Sicily, Spain, and more. Or contact Chris through the website right now while you're listening to the podcast and by honorconnor.org. Honor Connor is a community based around those affected by suicide, a compassionate group of volunteers ready to help transform grief into empowerment and action that was formed by Scott and Lisa Johnson after their beloved son Connor tragically took his own life. Visit honorconnor.org. That's C O N N O R to see what resources are available to you and how you can help families in need. Talk me through to what find, the moment you made this decision or the moments that led up to you making the decision to, uh, to get your life back or, or to get your life. I don't know if you ever had it. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> I have worked in food service for 45 years or some ungodly number like that. And yeah, when you do that, you really don't have much of a life. Right, for a long time, right? It's a, was, it's a you, demanding occupation. Yes. Uh, but it's, you know, it has rewards. If you have a big ego and people like what you do, then it feels good when you serve them and they go, wow, that was really good, thank you. Well, I'm sure you've been getting a lot of love this week. We still didn't go back to the gut, what got to the decision, but oh, you've been getting a lot of love this week online since you announced uh, your closing and Eater did an article about it. And, uh, and I saw you've been sharing a lot of your reviews and I could only go through a couple of <laughs> the, the YouTube reviews. The videos, the reviews. We had another write-up in another vegan magazine one called Veg Out, which I've never heard of. Uh, but that was kind of them to do. And uh, my broker on Monday was inundated with well over 30 phone, phone calls uh, and emails inquiring about the business. Oh, that's good. Is that promising so far? <laughs> so today's year, that was Monday. This is Wednesday. That night. 
percent. Any deals in the making, or are there? Are there maybe if you can't someone find someone to buy a homegrown smoker along the way, you might find a manager for the New York Mets. They can't find anybody, so <laughs> I'll ask her to, to put in a plug. Yeah, uh, yeah. We have some leads. We've had some offers. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the decision came about. Well, well, frankly, I started thinking about it in 2019. And I thought, I always thought I would keep this place for 10 years and uh, retire when I was 72. Uh, but my body has told me that that is not going to happen. And being a guy that pretty much ignores his body and his brain most of the time, uh, I decided to listen to it and my kids and uh, started thinking about it this year seriously and in August made the decision and went through a few offers that all petered out and then I decided to hire a broker. Uh, but I, I'm closing because I just can't physically do this job anymore. My manager is moving out of food service and into a new career. Which uh, is which is common now, which is part of the problem. Well, you know, and, and, and frankly, he's in his 30s. And this was all his plan. He never had a plan to stay in food service. <laughs> well, neither did you. Oh, yeah. My plan was always to stay in food service. <laughs> uh, I did not plan to come back to restaurants. Right. But, you know, my employer at the time had other plans for me. And, you know, it was cool. They kicked me in the butt and I did something fun. And I, I created a pretty cool space. It's very popular. And paid my bills for a few years. Uh, now it's time to hang up the apron. Either way, whether I get a sale or I don't get a sale, it's it's time well what's the difference i mean I, listen it's sort of economics 101 but don't you need a sale isn't that helpful so you'll have some cash going forward rather than just shutting it down uh yeah I, I mean, and so what, what what's the deadline why do you why is it it seemed to me from what i read it's very tight to sell it or you're just shutting it down so why wouldn't you wait another month or two and try to get a sale uh you know, my staff doesn't want to do indoor seating and and my family doesn't really want me to do it either uh, because COVID is real. And now there's another uh, COVID virus out there. So COVID is not going away. I always predicted that this is going to be an endemic and not a pandemic. Right. And I'm pretty sure that I'm correct. I'm not a scientist. I don't pretend to be one. Well, the other thing is we all know you've never been wrong before, too. So, And I've never been wrong, except for those <laughs> few times I wasn't totally right. <laughs> so, but, so what you're saying then is you just, it doesn't, the, the numbers don't add up. So you can't just not serve and wait a couple of months to sell it. You have to, you have to, in order to pay your bills, the only way it would really work is to open indoor dining. That's, right. 
that's what I'm telling buyers. Uh, you know, and we're still doing a, a window, which is fine. That's what we want to do. But we just, it has nothing to do with any of that for me. For me, it's just time. It's time to stop. I can't do it anymore. And uh, as much as I love my business and I love my staff, I have such a good staff. And my manager is outstanding. But it's just time. That's all I'm going to say. It's time. There's, yeah. nothing, there's nothing negative about it. Uh, it's not a, It's not money driven. It's not driven by anything except for now seems like the appropriate time. It's the end of the year. There aren't a lot of, there, there aren't a lot of, I know, you know, I know quite a few people in the Portland food world, certainly not, certainly not everyone, but there aren't a lot of 64 year old guys humping it every day in the kitchen and keeping a, a business going physically like you have been doing. So, I mean, no, it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that someone at your age uh, and at our age just can't do that physical labor any longer. So I can't do it anymore. I am. I, I'm always exhausted. My health is really suffering from it. And, you know, I'm just not willing to, I'm just not willing to have that happen to me. So, you know, I have no regrets. I've built a great thing here. You have. It's gotten I, incredible accolades from a lot of people. I brought my beliefs, my personal belief system, and turned it into my occupation. Uh, so I didn't have to like work for some schlep who had me doing things that I don't really agree with. And, uh, you know, win or lose, it was mine to do. And I, I'm, I'm really good with that. It's all mine. It's my decision. When was the last time that you had to do something you didn't want to do for some schlep? Uh, about 13 years ago. Okay, so that's a good run. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've been here for 12 and a half years. And, uh, well, not here, but we've been in existence as homegrown smoker for 12 and a half years. Uh. We had incredible sales once we got to this restaurant space. Life was really good. And then a pandemic happened and kind of destroyed the restaurant industry as we know it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, making a buck is a struggle. And it was a struggle before the pandemic. It was a struggle. You know, it's food service. You make pennies. You don't make dollars. You know, people think you have a restaurant. You have money. Come on, that is just so not true. Most independently restaurants are some dude or some uh, person who uh, decided to go into debt and open a restaurant and roll the dice, you know, and take a gamble. That's what most restaurants are. Yeah. And uh, yeah. You know, if you want to make a whole ton of money and you weren't born into it, don't open a restaurant. I don't know what else you're going to do, but don't do that. I still love being a restaurateur. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I love serving people and having them leave happy. I, I even love serving people and having them leave unhappy. I just love serving people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I look at my life as service to others. And I look at my business as a service to others. Uh, and uh, that's just kind of my whole vibe as a human being. So, and you, and you serve, you know, a lot of people who have a little difficulty and something they have to do three times a day or sometimes more, sometimes less. But, you know, the vegan community, really, you, you were on the forefront of it, I would like to think. And I, I don't think I don't think anybody could really argue with me. There were there were vegan restaurants, I suppose, but nobody was doing what you were doing. And now if there's a discussion of vegan food, at least in Portland, there's a pretty long discussion. And when you open Homegrown Smoker, it was a pretty short discussion. No, it sure was. Um, you know, veganism had been around for a long time. I mean, veganism's always been around. Uh, but in our country, uh, I would say it really started taking off, uh, probably in, uh, eighties and mostly in the punk scene. Um, for me, it came about because, you know, both my kids went vegan. I cook at home, didn't want to cook multiple meals. So we started eating vegan. You know, I bought this restaurant because I had an emotional attachment to it because uh, this is, we were eating here when it was proper eats and we were having such a good time and it was packed and it was all vegan and I was trying to decide what to do with my barbecue. I was going to do meat with some vegan options, but there are already a ton of meat barbecue places in Portland. And when I was eating at proper eats and I saw so many happy people and full tables, I was just like, you know, let's let's be the first all-vegan barbecue place. In the I, world, as you I, say, right? Not just in Portland. No one else in the world was doing that. As I still have yet to have anybody challenge me on that. So if somebody does and they can show me they, they were 100% all-vegan barbecue doing traditional barbecue methods and not just throwing barbecue sauce on tofu, I'm happy to... Uh, not brag about that anymore. And, and admit that was, again, maybe one of the first times you were ever wrong. But, I, but you're not in this case. You, um, yeah, and who's going to challenge you to go back to, what did you say, 2009? Who's got the evidence from then at this point to show it to you? So that, that aside, yeah, you've done some incredible things. Now, I'm not vegan, and the few times I've been to your restaurant, I've always been impressed about how it can cater to, to an omnivore like me because you were you were doing replica food right or, or have been doing replica food oh, that, that's look we are definitely trying to we're not trying to create meat we're not really trying to necessarily imitate it in the sense that we want it to taste like meat i don't use any there's plenty of vegan uh, meat flavorings available. I could buy chicken flavor, ham flavor, beef flavor, anywhere, but I don't do that. I just use vegetables and ingredients available to anybody 
and try to replicate a textural and somewhat flavorful uh, resemblance to me. Uh -huh. Because my goal was never really to cater to vegans, even though I knew they would come. My goal was to cater to people like me who were recent converts to veganism, but still wanted a Philly cheesesteak or ribs or a burger or chicken or, or whatever. Those are the foods I still enjoy eating. I love steak. Well, now I have to make steak from wheat. So it's a little different, but it's very satisfying and uh, meaty and I just have no desire to be uh, so selfish and no offense to any meat eaters out there in my choices. I, I don't like to uh, kill other people just to eat their flesh because I don't look at animals as, oh, they're just animals. I look at them as equals to myself. Mm -hmm. and, and that's just how it is. You know how I talk about dogs. I always say dogs are the best people. I still think dogs are the best people. I won't argue with you on that, man. Uh, I, the, and, and, uh, and, I got plenty to say about that. Yeah, and it was dogs, frankly, that really helped me see uh, the contradiction in, 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 in myself from eating animal, some animals and then thinking it's barbaric to even considering other, eating other animals. Well, that's just asinine thinking. It's, it's warped thinking. If you think it's bad to eat a dog or a cute little kitten or a baby rabbit or a cute little duckling, then why isn't it bad to eat a full-grown duck or a full-grown rabbit or a full-grown hog or a full-grown calf or you know anything? And frankly, none of those animals get to live their full lives. They're all slaughtered very young so yeah i'm definitely not into eating animals but then again when i say that i would never ever criticize my omnivore friends for for being omnivores i'm not that person there's plenty of people out there that will do that for me i don't need to yeah you know well, you know it's interesting that you say that because i give that I can't say I give it a lot of thought, but I give it enough thought where I'm cognizant of that, what you're talking about. And I just think we're conveniently, we, we're, we do some convenient compartmentalization as omnivores because there have been plenty of times I have thought, God, I don't, I don't think that about fish really, but I still do. I see fish and think they should have a life too, but um, it's hard. You know, it, I mean, think about it. For thousands of years, mankind has eaten animals. Well, animals have eaten animals. That, I think, is the is where I get to. And I think, okay, well, they're eating them. So no, I guess that's the, way the, that's the way the world goes. them in pens. Uh, yes. Just but... Forests to raise more meat. I mean, if, you're, if you consider yourself an environmentalist, or you're concerned about the environment and you still eat animals and animal products, please stop considering yourself an environmentalist of any sort because you're not. 
And that's okay. just an honest, that's just an honest fact. It's right, but it's also semantics because environment an environmentalist is a there's the, I don't I'm not looking at the definition right now, but that's that is probably different than someone who loves nature and the environment. You can love nature and the environment and not be an environmentalist. So are you, so but so by saying that I didn't mean to have this discussion, but it's kind of fun. Uh, so, yeah. So am I not allowed to savor the nature that I love? Am I, every time I think about that, supposed to inject, you eat meat, asshole. You know, I am allowed to savor the nature that I love and watching, and watching the elk around here just prance around a little bit or walk around. I'm allowed to do that, but yeah, I, I understand. I, I've said to my friends, boy, sometimes I could see myself mentally being vegan because i just think it's more fair but i still you know another three-star michelin restaurant just went 100 percent vegan and that's gonna continue to happen I think. you're gonna see a lot of it i don't ever think mankind will be mostly vegan or even even a significant percentage vegan because Society is just never going to go down that route. Uh, well, unless it's forced to, unless we have, <laughs> if, we, if everything's extinct. You can't grow plants or animals on a dead planet. Right. Just like you can't colonize other planets without having a living, thriving planet to support that colonization. Yeah. But hey, let's just pretend. And, well, let's go there. So stock <laughs> prices rise. <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, what can so, I say? My so, for the world and humankind is pretty apparent. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, so it's it's humankind, but uh, the other life on the planet you have a lot of respect for and love for. So yes, uh, you know what I know you're a Pete, you like certain so the, the conundrum there is you like serving people, right? So I you're not serving people. animals. Yeah. You're and I, by that I mean giving two. Yes. Um, so the conundrum there is, you know, and I feel the same way. I logged on to Facebook. There's so many days I log on to Facebook and go, man, I have so many reasons to think people are assholes and they're friends just by what they post. And I'm sure people say that about me too, but I mean, Oh my God. It's like, why, yeah, why do you feel the need to, do, why do you feel the need to do this publicly? Can't you just tell your significant other that you love them? Do you need to, do you need to go out to everybody and tell them and then show them why? Um, I don't get that, but there's a lot of it going on, and I'm sure I do that. Once in a while, my girlfriend would probably listen to that and go, well, that it would be nice if you did that, Chris. So, Yeah, I think I, she probably would think that. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know yeah, she yeah. would. Uh, she knows you. Yeah, well, I am, yeah. I am who I am. So what are you going to do instead of bitch about going into work? Oh, I'm, I have plenty of things to bitch about. There's no shortage there. <laughs> well, I didn't mean, uh, what are you going to bitch about? I meant, what are you going to do now? Well, I'm going to sit on my ass and hopefully sell my concept so that Portland can continue to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. If somebody buys my concept, I am going to 
commit to them to to get it right. Uh, I can't say how long or how, you know, I can't really say much about that. But I really want somebody to take homegrown smoker and continue on with it. You know, it is a very franchisable concept that somebody with better business sense, you know, I'm, I'm a chef. I am not a businessman. I suck at being a businessman, but I'm pretty good at cooking. So I think if somebody with more business savvy, uh, with in tandem with a good quality chef, could really take this concept uh, very far. You know, I had plans with a, a business friend of mine to franchise this thing. Uh, and we were going to start working on it in 2020. Something happened in 2020 that just kind of destroyed all that kind of stuff. And uh, for me, it's just, it's just no longer important. I don't have the I don't have the energy for it anymore. I still have the the love for it. I still have the desire for it. I just don't have the ability to do it. And it, it took it took me a long time to come to terms with that. So what you're saying is, and I I, I guess you don't want to put the business terms out there publicly, but what you're saying is, your heart and love for the business can really help somebody else. Uh, you'll you'll hand over your heart <laughs> and Absolutely. and help and help them get as far as they can. So, because you have more than a fiscal interest in selling it, you have a an emotional interest in selling it because yeah. you, I think you'd love to see it go on. I would love for a a person that's passionate about veganism uh, to take this space and continue it and, and improve it. There's always room for improvement. I spent the last two years uh, improving my faux beef product and I, I just kept working at it and working at it and working at it. It's way better now than it was two years ago. And uh, that's what I say, you know, in, in food service, there's rarely something new but there's always room to improve. And I think I created something new, and, but it still can be impro improved. And frankly, it needs to be taken out to more cities and more places. I mean, I get inundated with people asking me to, if I could franchise, but you know, my, when you're running a place day-to-day -day operations and you're acting as the prep cook, the cheerleader, the dishwasher, the everything, you don't have time for that. And uh, so kind of a shame that it didn't happen for me, but it could happen for somebody else. But you can, you can keep your, you can keep, you know, a little iron in the fire there by helping someone. And also, can't you consult with a lot of other people who have no clue and would like, you know, you have the recipes. I, I would imagine you want to sell those 
to someone who buys homegrown smoker, but can you not sell those recipes and your knowledge to other people? And, you know, maybe, maybe fly to Denver and hang out with them for a month and get them running something. Doesn't necessarily have to be barbecue, but running yeah, something I, vegan. I could do something, uh, but that would be considered working. Well, yeah, but it's not it's not as physical, right? So if you didn't have to get in there and get physical. Well, that is true. But I mean, I, I do plan on consulting with the folks if if any should appear that buy this space. Uh, again, I'm going to make a strong commitment to them to train whoever they have running it to run it hopefully better than I ran it and uh, continue to improve on the quality of the food and the service and to, to get the dining rooms back open and see this place thrive again, because that's all it will take, seriously. I think we proved that this week in our announcement that we're closing, we are just so freaking busy. I had an email from a customer and he was like, hey man, I know you're gonna be really busy these last eight service days, but could you open your dining room to me and 30 of my guests? I'll make it well worth your while. And I was just like, hey man, my staff and myself, we just are not going to do that. And I'm so sorry, I would love to do that for you. But at this time I can't, and in the future, I won't be doing it anymore. So thank you and, and no. Well, it's got to be hard for you. You know, I, I think your only market is not just <clears throat> people who are interested in vegan food. I mean, look back at Jackie and Adam Sappington, who bought Prasad. That was one of the oddest, I thought. I mean, I'm not wanting to editorialize, but they were the most, you could argue that they, they were the meat people. Or, he, you know, Adam was Mr. Meat in Portland and... Now they're doing, and I, I assume they're doing pretty well at Prasad. I, so, I don't know. Yeah, they would seem to be possibilities, but I'm just saying there are others out there like them that maybe want to go a healthier route. I know, I believe, um, I think, you know, Gabriel Rucker's e eats pretty healthfully. So who knows who would want to say, hey, I want to try something a little different. Whether it's homegrown smoker, I don't know. You know, they do a little more elevated food. All right, Chris, we are pausing here a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, Ringside Steakhouse. Yes, you know, and if you're at a loss for a Christmas gift, or even if you like savings yourself, and everybody does, uh, Ringside is back with their special offer on gift cards. So, if you buy $500 in gift cards in any amount, so you could buy $500 gift cards, one $500 gift card, you get a $100 bonus dining card. So if you plan on eating at ringside over the next year, buy that $500 card and get another 100 and so you're literally getting an additional 20% value. You can do that as well at the $300 level and get a $50 bonus dining card. So that's like getting a free steak out of the deal uh, at ringside. Right. So those bonus cards are available through the end of the year. And also the actual bonus card that you get is 
valid from January to February 2022. So you need to use that in the first couple of months. Just a bonus card. The gift card is good in perpetuity. So if you're thinking about that for maybe holiday treats, also think about this as a literal holiday treat. The Christmas prime rib dinner available for four people. We're talking about the the great prime rib that you can get at uh, Ringside Steakhouse. Uh, this, of course, is pre-seasoned and raw. You cook it yourself, but the kit comes with everything you need. Horseradish, au jus, mashed potatoes, Brussels sprouts, uh, the table bread that I love so much. In fact, Chris, I know this might be controversial to say this about a steakhouse that has so many things going for it, but the the bread that I get, I will, I will fight anybody for that stuff. I, I love it that much. Plus, they bring it to you nice and warm with butter, and it is... Oh, yeah. And if you need more, you get more. It's great. So, yeah, that comes with it, and you can warm that up with everything there. Go to the, I would mm-hmm. say, tell everybody to go to the Ringside Steakhouse website at ringsidesteakhouse.com and just look at the visual of that prime rib dinner for four, yeah. and uh, and then you're going to want to do it. Yeah, but I, sh- I should add that the, it also comes with that dessert, which is a caramel apple pie. So make the reservations for the Christmas meal kit at Ringside Steakhouse. You can also make reservations to go eat at Ringside Steakhouse there or hop on the Open Table app and make those reservations today. I got a question for you. Speaking of other chefs and restaurateurs out there, have you gone to Fermenter yet? No, I haven't. You you should go. I know. Uh, Aaron is... He's a very talented guy. I know. And, you know, I, I never got the chance to dine at Farm Spirit. And, man, what an incredible place that seemed to be. But I love how he pivoted. And I, I'm certain he's still struggling like all restaurants are. But, man, what an incredible place he has developed. And... uh I just have a lot of respect for his culinary abilities. I'm also very looking forward to Chef Gregory's new place. Yeah. That's going to um, be exciting. Yeah, that's, and that's been a long time coming, man. So A long time. Yeah. <laughs> he had the whole pandemic, but he the, the pandemic gave him certain opportunities to test out some theories with Khan and also, you know, when – um, Top Chef just happened to come to Portland and feature him on that show. Great. That was uh, so great. Yeah, that, that was pretty good for him. But I think, you know, I've been really bummed about a lot of things that have happened over the last year, some things that have closed. I mean, you happen to be closing the same month that uh, Vitaly Paley and Kimberly closed Paley's place. I mean, an announcement I never saw coming, I have to tell you. Yeah, but, to, but that to me is a signal that uh, well, also, he's getting up there in age, too, and that's not an easy job. He didn't take it lightly. I mean, he was there. So, um, hands-on chef. Yeah. And in more ways than just cooking. I mean, he was mentoring and teaching and everything and, and doing lots of events. He's an um, incredible guy. Yeah, so there's um, a lot that's changing right now, and it's disappointing. On the other hand, you know, we're happy that there are some new restaurants coming up. I mean, today, uh, Magna and um, and also Republica got kudos for, you know, best restaurants of the year from Eater and 
Oregonian. I don't know if you have time to see that. You've been working. But that happened today. And um, so it's great that they're out there. On the other hand, I'm really happy for you that you're going to get some time. I'm happy for, for Vitaly and Kimberly, who've been working their asses off in that restaurant for years. So we're supposed to, in talking to them, you know, they made me feel a little better about it. And I'm sure, you know, it's good that people get a chance to relax. We're, we're, we're a little nervous. Our income is going to drop quite a bit. And, uh, but you got a little practice with that during 2020. You know, what's it going to look like with a little less income? I, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, I did okay in 2020, actually. All right. <laughs> I won't say how, but I did. Yeah, no. Well, we can guess how, and I'm not asking you to. It would all be wrong. Right. I mean, I didn't do too poor. I did okay. I got through it. I didn't. When it first happened, I thought it was disaster. I don't I got, know. How it, I got how two it. words for any restaurant owner out there. Escort. Escort, That's yes. I'm going to say. Yeah. But if I was not an escort, I would have been in a world of hurt in 2020 because I didn't take the PPP money. Right. And that was that was a mistake. I should have taken it. Uh, but it is what it is. Well, that goes back to what you were talking about as uh, your prowess as a business business person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but in hindsight, you're great. Yeah, I'm very good at hindsight. Hindsight <laughs> is 2020. I don't know why people say it isn't. Because last year was 2020. And my hindsight says, man, I should have taken that money. <laughs> yeah, well... But you got through it, and you know whether you took the money or not, your, your reasons for wanting to close it have not would not have changed. No, you're right. I would still be doing exactly what I'm doing right now. Right. Uh, look, I, I, life is not going to be easy moving forward. Life isn't easy now. What's what? What's the difference? I'm going to be seeing more of my friends and family. I'm gonna. Spend some time coming up with some new ideas, new things to do. Uh, I'm certainly not one to just like sit around and cry that, oh, my poor restaurant is gone. Uh, no, 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 no. Whether it just closes and goes away forever or somebody takes it over, I'm fine with either way. Uh, I have other plans I can use my uh, talents for. You know, I wrote a cookbook years ago. Publisher turned it down saying, all that shit's been done. Oh, man. And, uh, yeah, he was wrong. So I'll just come around to it again at some point. Yeah, I think there's, do something. there's absolutely got to be a market for that, especially now. Whether he was right or the publisher was right or wrong then, now – you know there's a market for people who want to cook what you've been doing and do it themselves. Because, by the way, they may not have homegrown smoker anymore. So they may be forced to do a cookbook to have that. I, really hope they do. Um, I mean, that is my, my big goal is to hopefully get a buyer that, you know, we went public because we didn't feel right not telling our staff. 
You know, that's, that's just not the right thing to do. I've always been very honest with my staff and open about everything with our business to the point of driving them crazy. And, uh, you know, it just came down to, you know what, we got to make a decision. What are we doing here? We're going to keep it as a private sale. We're going to open it up publicly. How are we going to do it? And we just decided it's got to be public because we owe it to our staff to let them know what's going on so they can make their own choices moving forward. And, 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 you know, I'm always going to be that way. I'm always going to pr prioritize the folks that uh, depend on me. Uh, well, fewer will be depending on you in the future. So, and I, I would bet that's probably a pretty decent feeling not having all that responsibility. Uh, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a little bit uh, of good and bad there, you know, because I, I, again, I just, I live for service to others. I enjoy doing it. I'm going to probably do some volunteering around town. Uh, and I'm going to miss my staff a whole bunch, especially the staff I have right now. They have truly been incredible because we are working with a skeleton crew because some days it's just super slow. You know, when you have a window and no, no outdoor seating, no indoor seating, it can get slow. Well, you have like a giant food cart there is what you have. We, we are a, the world's largest food cart. <laughs> A 4,000 square foot <laughs> right. with no wheels. <laughs> so, uh, Nowhere to go. And uh, I will say last week was incredibly challenging doing the no same numbers that we were doing in our opening week uh, back five years ago. And uh, <clears throat> when we opened five years ago, we had 14 people here doing it. And last week, we had five people doing it. Luckily, this week and next week, we have six people doing it. And that will really make a big difference. Uh, and folks, hey, if you do come out, I'm going to apologize right now for the incredibly long ticket times. Because we're just that busy. You know, we just, we can't bang out food in 15 minutes when we're doing $1,000 hours on a line with two cooks. Right. You know, those, those cooks are doing an incredible job getting your food out. And yes, it's going to take somewhere between 45 minutes to maybe even as long as an hour and a half at the rate things are going. Well, so if people know that, they just need to plan around that, come and give your order and then kind of, uh, helicopter around a little bit, or thank God people have cell phones now because those kind of weights you have something to do or a book. <laughs> and we're really lucky, you know. Most of our customers, our regular customers in particular, they know the challenges we face. We don't we don't keep secrets, and uh, they're really patient and understanding and super kind. And you know, without them, we wouldn't exist. And uh, we're all very grateful. You know, food service is a tough business. It can, it can, it's, it's difficult. And it can be challenging 
to get through the day sometimes. But you know what does it for you? Is customers that are happy and employees that are happy. That's what gets me through my days. And, I, and as hectic and challenging as it is, I'm probably going to be really missing it and missing that craziness because I thrive on it. I've been doing it for 45, 47 years, I think. I started when I was 14 years old at the Plank House in Darien, right behind the AMP. You know, you, my, I grew up from when I was two to five, literally a one-minute walk from there. <laughs> so I uh, used my brother's ID when I was 14 and got a busboy job there. Oh, man. Well, I used my ID when I was 15 and got into Duffy's Tavern to go drinking in Darien. 15! 18-year-old drinking laws! <laughs> yeah, I know. But so 18-year-old drinking age meant 15 and 16-year-olds were getting into bars. Oh, yes. Which yes. is just nuts when you think about well, it. None of us drink anymore, at least the smart ones. Oh, wait. I'm not smart. But I do. I don't drink. <laughs> when did you stop drinking? Oh, I stopped drinking a long time ago. I think I was 42. Oh, okay. And I'm 64 now. Uh, yeah, it just didn't serve me. And I, I'm an asshole when I consume alcohol, and I'm the first one to admit it. I'm actually an asshole sometimes when I don't. <laughs> I'm glad you <laughs> said it. I didn't. But, you know, that's probably the marijuana that keeps you on an even keel, too. So uh, it might be. Uh, I am definitely missing my 420 joint today. Why didn't you have it? Oh, 420. You, oh, because you were here. Exactly. Well, we didn't start till 4.30, man. You had time. Yeah, but, you know, last time I was on, I was a little bit uh, uh, brain-challenged, <laughs> more so than I normally am. <laughs> well, you're welcome to light up right now. I don't care. I mean, uh, no. uh, you know, we're not going to get arrested. It's Oregon. You so know, we're not driving. I might smoke a little, but usually not when I'm working. This is not something. Are you working now? Is this work? I've been, well, no, this isn't, but I've been working all day for the last seven days in a row. What the, so when does your, what time does your day start? I think it's pretty early. 6 a.m. Well, 6 I, I get up at 5. I'm at the store, I'm at a chef's store at 6. I'm in the restaurant by 6.37 every day that we're open. We're only open four days a week. Excuse me. And then I work, so Thursday through Sunday we're open, and then on Mondays I do prep. Last week we're so busy, we literally had no food left in this building for this week's service. Uh, like my, I got off the phone with my bookkeeper just recently, and she's like, wow, I see you've already spent all the money you put in the bank last week. <laughs> like, well, you know, we had to gear up. We only have eight more days. That's Thursday through Sunday this week and uh, Thursday through Sunday next week with the 19th being our last day of service. And that's only if we still have food left over. <laughs> but I, I'm sure we will. I plan pretty well for that stuff. 
I like to keep it very tight, like most chefs do. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, I'm pretty confident the community's going to come out. I'm, 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 I'm feeling a little melancholy right now, Chris, and I, I apologize, but it oh, is. I, yeah, and, you know, I appreciate that you've taken the time at this time right now, not only this five o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, but just right after, you know, I wrote you, what, two days ago to ask if you'd like to come on and, and chat on the podcast. So I really appreciate you just saying yes, because it would have been really easy to say no, because I would have understood. So yeah. No, I, wa- I wanted to, and we haven't talked in a while. You know, it was great. Our last podcast, which was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I was ripped to the gills on that one. And- oh, I have to go back and listen. Well, I guess I knew it, but now I'm going to really have to go back and listen. Yeah, and you know, I had a uh chef who listened to that and he ordered a huge catering for some photo shoot he was doing with a group of his friends and he wanted to do it again and i was just like hey chef i canceled catering two months ago i just did it for you because you listened to the podcast and uh it just cracked me up that somebody came to the restaurant because of it all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's good, especially the condition you're in. You don't have to try very hard. This is pretty easy to get down and sit down in front of a, a, a Grateful Dead logo and just talk to someone that you knew years ago. So um, I appreciate it, man. I'm not going to I'm not going to ask you to stick around much longer. So um, I did want to ask you, I what? What are you going to you when I asked you what you were going to do, you, you went into work, business work things. What are you going to do personally that you haven't been able to do? What are you looking forward to most? Uh, I don't know yet. I'll spend more time with my doggies. That's yeah, three of them. One. Three, as I recall. Three of them, Kona, Mochi, and Lucy. And uh, I sure like spending time with them. And I don't get a lot of time with them. So, uh, as a matter of fact, they haven't had a walk in like five days. And... Uh, I'm going to spend some time with my mother-in-law. She's getting up in age and recently injured herself and is in rehab. And uh, she's going to be getting out next week. So I'm going to spend quite a bit of time hanging out with her. I hope to do a lot of hiking, which is something I enjoy. And uh, I'm going to be house hunting. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Diana and I plan on selling our home in Beaverton and uh, buying a duplex uh, and have our kids live on one half of it and uh, have us live on the other half. So you're going to stay local? Because I, if I recall, I think it was you, you were looking crazy places like Buffalo last I year. I that we were looking at crazy places. Um, we still are. Um, the East Coast isn't part of our venture anymore, which is which is a bit which is a bit of a bummer in some ways because all my siblings, uh, except for well, not all of them actually, two of them live on the West Coast, and three of them live on the East Coast. But I have a lot of nieces and nephews on the East Coast that I would love to spend more time getting to know better. Uh, but your windows to go see them won't be as short. You'll have more time now. Right. Running a restaurant, you just, you know, you'd have to, 
it would be a frustrating proposition to figure out how to do that. At least it was, you know, a whirlwind of visits and you'd be exhausted when you got back. It was never right. a vacation, right? I'm sure you know the feeling. And next time it'll be a real vacation. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, we're going to probably stay here because my daughter's focused her career. You know, another person who has shifted out of food service and uh, now independently working, doing their own gig. Uh, and they kind of want to stay in Portland, understandably. So we're, we're, we're probably going to do that. Another thing that's recently popped into our mind is possibly buying property in Mexico. Whatever that place is where they ended up in Shawshank Redemption. That looked pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're just toying with it. That really just started last week, the Mexico idea. And, uh, you know, I mean, there are reasons you wouldn't. There are actual reasons you wouldn't want to be in this country anymore. I don't understand that. Well, that's kind of where it all started. <laughs> so, and, you know, we're, we're, we have really good sound reasons to not want to be in this fucked up country anymore. And, you know, our neighbors to the north are just pretty much like us. But our neighbors to the south are still pretty chill, at least politically speaking. How long it'll last, who knows? The really? Whole I, I, don't, I don't follow it, but I... I understood they had a pretty hardcore, some hardcore shit going on down there. Oh, yeah. But well, that's that's what our news says. But please, hopefully you don't watch much American. Oh, no, no. I'm talking about friends who are in Mexico. That's oh. all. I, I don't watch much. No, you know. and that's the thing. So I have a friend who's lived in Mazatlan since the 70s. He's a teacher. Mm -hmm. And he, he loves living there. He has just, just raised his family there. And he, he said, life in Mexico is good. And I don't think I would ever want to live in a resort town again, having lived in them before. Uh, but, you know, we're just, we're just starting to play with that idea. Well, you know, that may change and evolve. And, you know, you loved the Oregon coast when you were here, right? You enjoyed living here. I would love to live on the coast if only I could convince my kids to go with me. So, you know, our thing is, can't your kids be in Portland and, and you on the coast? My kids, I'm separated by that, by yeah. the, the, the coast range. Yeah. So, you know, our thinking is buying a house nowadays in Oregon in particular is pretty much impossible for anybody young. Really difficult for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to we help. And at the same token, we're looking to our future uh, of being, you know, not, not having near the income that we we enjoy now, uh, and living in a country that doesn't like to take care of its citizenry. Uh, so we depend on our family. So we think an investment in a duplex will work out for people like us because we will have our children next door to help us as we age. And then when we die, they will have property that they can use towards their future. Uh, as long as the bottom doesn't fall out of everything. 
Well, yeah, that, that's possible at any time. But that sounds like a good plan. I, I commend you for that plan. I have kids. We, I was just having a conversation this morning with my son about, you know, sustainability for all of us and how to make it work. So you know, you're, you've done that and you and you have that plan. And I, I respect that. That's a good plan. A lot of countries live that way. They live with multi-generational housing. And we think it's a smart thing. We tried it during the pandemic for a while in our 1,600 square foot home. Uh, that was not enough space for five adults and five dogs. No. And uh, that became pretty clear pretty fast. That's, we tucked it out for quite some time. And that's what made us decide that because at first we were looking at big houses on the East Coast, right? Because you can buy a very large house for half the price of a smaller home here, right? With acreage. But we decided separate living quarters is probably the best idea of all. I'm, I'm with you on that. And the ratio you were talking about before is 160 square foot per, per beating heart. Not human, but okay, yeah. 300 square feet per human, and then the dogs have to fit in there. So, yeah, that's it was, uh, it was interesting. That's that's tight. You know, my kids come and visit me uh, every couple of months, and after a few days, that's enough. So, I, I, I know what it might be like, and everybody's relationships are different, but five people in a, in a 1600 square foot house, maybe in other countries, might be tolerable, but. Not so much here. Our society, you know, is not really designed around living with mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, no. and Or and, your kids, they are vice versa. And, too. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just lucky that in, in my immediate family, uh, my kids and I get along, and my wife, and we all get along pretty well. And when we have difficult disagreements, we are always willing to sit down and have those really hard discussions to have when you're, you know, you're, where you're literally talking about each other in very critical ways. But, you know, those are the best discussions because when you have those hard discussions and you come to resolution because you were brave enough to have them, that's a really good thing. That's a really good thing. I'm going to cut that what you just said out, and I've got I've got a specific purpose for that. So thank you for saying that. And it's some really good perspective because communication is key, and and all communication isn't easy. That the the reason that communication is key is to overcome the tough situations. That's right. And address them. And the hardest thing is to start talking about it. I think. It's to open the door to it because, you know, you have to get it's it's a little bit like an intervention. OK, so uh, I want, can I talk to you next week about this? You know, you can't do it that way, but uh, it's difficult. So good for you. And, you know, you managed families at, at work and at home, too. Yeah, well, look at us society wise right now. We are polarized because we will not communicate with each other about our differences. And that is the problem in our nation and in many family dynamics. 
And you have to have those hard conversations because without them, you will never get resolution and you will create resentment and resentment is a relationship destroyer. Who wants to destroy relationships? Relationships are great. They're worth having. Yeah. But not all of them work. Not all of them work. You have to pick and choose which ones you want to try to save, too. You know, just because they didn't work doesn't mean that there wasn't something of value in them. Uh, You may choose to leave them altogether and not really have that relationship ever again. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, if you were in that relationship, there was a reason. It may have gone south. Probably a reason for that, too. Maybe that reason was not being willing to have those hard conversations. Who knows? We all have different things in life. Dr. Jeff, Dr. Reiterbach. I am looking forward to a lot of those conversations in my life because I always know that after they're done, things are going to be much better. You know, it's kind of like a restaurant. Restaurants throw you so much bullshit all the time. Freaking walking just crapped out last night while no one was here. And I came in in the morning and it was 90 degrees and I just threw away $4,000 worth of food. Crap. That sucks. Hey, guess what, though? I have full, full group of customers coming in in three hours. That's exciting. I better get to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is, you know what? You've been in Oregon a long time because that is not the Connecticut attitude. No. So, <laughs> no. uh, I, I tried to drive as much East Coast out of me as possible. Kind of like when my mom moved to America and uh, was being called a Nazi because of her Swedish accent. So she did all she could to get rid of that accent. So it's kind of, kind of like that. I came to Oregon and I got tried to get rid of my East Coast jive. I was not totally successful at all. How long did it take? Because I still get accused of it. I mean, people uh, I'm can... I'm still working on it. So I think <laughs> yeah. it's taken about 40 years. Yeah. I, I can't get away with, I mean, first thing people say is where on the East Coast are you from? So, um, and that's not because of my driving either. That would, that, would be the, that would be the first indicator. It's the clam linguine, I think. Yeah, the clam linguine. But I will say in my driving, I have definitely chilled out. And especially because I, I'm taking Route 26 all the time. and Such a beautiful drive. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. And I've learned that the difference between going fast and just chilling is five minutes. Like, you know, by the time I get home, I saved five whole minutes. That doesn't mean that every once in a while I'm not cruising at a, at a good rate. And I know where all the cops are. It took so, me a long time to get rid of driving anger. Yeah. No, I'm driving. Yes. Well, I can't say that. I don't have it anymore. Yeah, I have I have a little driving anger, but I'm not in a rush all the time now. I'm never in a rush anymore. Well, that's because you've been that's because you've been here in a, for a long time, and you've smoked a shitload of pot. That's why you're never in a rush. So. I'm going to smoke a shitload of pot until they put me in a pot. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully with some pot. Yeah. So, but yes, thanks for coming. I hope you have the opportunity to come out, and we get a chance to hang out. And uh, 
and a little time with Diana, too. I haven't been able to do that. We're great Facebook friends, but we're not face-to-face friends. So that would happen, too. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. Right